Welcome to College Movers and Shakers, a podcast about college students who are making an impact on their campus and community. I am your host, Jonathan Yee. To give you some background on why I started this podcast, in my three years at college, I have met so many amazing students that are changing their campus and community in a variety of ways. I want to bring more visibility to these students and their organizations, and also provide inspiration for others who are looking to make their own impact. Today, on our first episode, we have Catherine Chung and Marcella Sulku. Catherine and Marcella are both seniors at the University of Southern California studying computer science. They are both co-founders of Athena Hacks, Southern California's premier all-female hackathon. Catherine and Marcella, welcome to the program. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Awesome. So I wanted to start at the very beginning. Where did the idea for Athena Hacks come from? So I think the main was main idea was basically that there hasn't really been this type of like hackathon before. So like obviously there's lots of other hackathons around the country, but there's not many like all female hackathons and we really wanted to create an encouraging and supportive environment, especially for um, just like all females since in tech, like the industry, there's like a huge gender gap and we we're trying to like kind of combat that. So did you both participate in hackathons before that and had experience and that's something that you saw that was missing in hackathons or um, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, most hackathons are that I attended are very like, they're huge. So the the USC hackathon and like the major hackathons at schools are on the order of like a thousand attendees. Um, and it's very male dominated and it's super big. Um, it can be a little bit of a very competitive environment, which isn't necessarily bad. It's just the, the um, reputation those hack- types of hackathons have. It's not super beginner friendly so if you're just starting to get into tech it's not it's it's a little intimidating to enter that um so we really thought that having a a hackathon that is very friendly to beginners and um, encourages just learning new things would be like something that is missing in that space interesting when did you both do your first hackathon my freshman year it was called hack sc it was like the hackathon at usc yeah, and I also did mine freshman year, first semester. Um, it was like a small hackathon um, on campus as well. Oh, that's so exciting. So I'm interested, how did the name Athena Hacks come up? Was that something that just came up off the top of your head when you were thinking one day? Or where did that idea and name come from? Yeah, so we really wanted a strong female figure. And so we kind of tossed around a lot of ideas. But um, the one that stuck was just, you know, Athena um, is the goddess of wisdom and war in Greek mythology. So we wanted that kind of be like our symbol to show like women empowerment. Um, yeah, it kind of just worked out really well. Um, and so our, our logo is actually the owl, mm-hmm. since that's the symbol for Athena. So you come up with the idea. It's going great from the beginning. Or how, what is, I just <laughs> confused. It's like, what, what is the first step you even take after creating an idea like Athena Hacks? It's a lot of like logistical planning. So um, when we first came up with the idea, um, the first idea was kind of figuring out if this was even possible or not. Um, and then once we figured out that we could do that, we created a team at campus. So we, we um, became like official campus org. Um, so we had a team of around 14 to 16 girls um kind of playing this and it was just a lot of figuring out like if you can imagine hosting a large event there's um like venue planning getting a budget getting swag like there's a ton of like getting your name out there yeah there's a lot of things like yeah publicity 
Um, so it was really helpful having like a big team to try to just kind of uh, figure out how to organize everything. So did you know the entire team before? Were they all friends of yours kind of in the CS community at USC or did they come from all around? I think we all, like the main group were, were like friends who started it and then everyone kind of joined by word of mouth. Like I joined because one of my friends was in it and she was like, you kind of need help. And so I hopped on and I think other people just hopped on because of like word of mouth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have specific roles when you guys joined or was it just like everyone takes chunks of every activity that you need to do. That wouldn't work out well. (laughs) (laughs) We did, we were split up into four committees. So one committee, uh, and each committee is about four or five people. Oh, and actually the first year there were five committees. It was like design um, and then marketing and logistics programs and finances. And now we've merged marketing and design together because it has similar focus, but we were split up into four main committees. You have the committees. Did you have to reach out for help from anyone, whether it was professors? I know you talked about how you had to add people to the team, but did you also have to talk to professionals, university officials to just get support behind the project? Yeah, I think like um, one of the biggest things is like talking to like tech companies for sponsorship. So that was really the primary um, source of funding for us as well as for um, kind of venue planning, we wanted to have the event on campus. And so that involved talking to like our engineering school as well as other administration to figure out whether um, we could find a space to hack in. And that was actually one of our primary issues in the first year, just finding a space. And so I remember like cold emailing a ton of um, like professors and like other admi- administration people just to see if we could find a place to like host our hackathon. And we were Fortunate enough to find, um, get in contact with the Dean of Libraries, and they gave us one of like the 24-7 libraries for access for our event. Fun fact, we didn't have a venue until like two or three weeks before Athena Hacks, <laughs> our first year. Like we hadn't finalized the venue. Yeah, we had made like a contingency plan in, cl- in case that we had to cancel the event, tell all the people who had already signed up to come. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just to clarify... You were planning the event for like weeks before and you didn't know whether it was going to happen. Even a year up to before because we started in the fall, like we started in August in the fall. And then like we had planned it for April, early April, but we've been trying that whole time to get um, a venue. And like we had leads at certain points and then every like things kept falling through or like there were just challenges. Um, but in the end, thankfully it worked. I, I remember we did have a meeting, I think maybe like, like three or four weeks before we had a meeting where we were like, we don't have a lot of money. And right now we don't have a venue. Like, what do we do if neither of those problems get solved before the actual date? Cause we'd already accepted like applications. We'd already gotten our name out there. People were so excited, but thankfully the Dean of libraries like believed in us and uh, was able to give us that space. And we like really, we really appreciated that. So in terms of getting the companies on board, I know you had a few amazing sponsors, all names that we've heard before. Was that process pretty straightforward of just asking people in your network that worked at those employers, just, you know, we have this great idea. Would you give us money? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much um, essentially what we had. We had a lot of um, like company contacts. And often a lot of these companies actually have resources allocated for like kind of education 
and like supporting hackathons since a lot of times um, they get like internships or other like job opportunities from there. Um, so they're very open and willing to help out. And I think that one thing that stood, helped us stand out was kind of like more niche since we weren't just a university hackathon. We were like a smaller hackathon that was focused more towards like women empowerment. I love that. <laughs> so you talked about getting the venue was a huge challenge. What were some other roadblocks that came up throughout the planning process that might have caught you off guard that you didn't expect at first? Anything like that? I mean, I think a lot of it was, like, logistically how to run, the, like, during the, that weekend, a lot of things, like, just, like, fell apart, or um, let's say, like, we tried to use a room and it was locked, and there's a lot of just, like, random kind of, like, road bumps, and there was oftentimes, like, I think the organizing team was pretty stressed out at times, and we were very sleep-deprived, um, but it was kind of, like, we had to, like, make sure we, like, so we, like, stop, take a breath, and, like, figure out exactly how we can resolve a lot of the issues. So I feel like... Um, like, you can do months of planning ahead for these events, but you can't, like, foresee any, like, random, like, like mishaps or other kind of roadblocks that you encounter. So I think that's kind of the, the general gist. Right. So being proactive was huge in your case, just obviously because there were so many things that planning that far ahead is just unpredictable. Yeah. But we, like, now rehosting it for years to come, we make sure that, like, after each hackathon, we sit down and we do kind of like a post-mortem and just like uh, go through and be like, oh, next year we shouldn't do this or next year we should make sure to have more people in this area. So that's really helpful too. Yeah, I'm just thinking about all the different things that you would have to prepare so early in advance and I'm just like, wow, that's <laughs> super amazing. So what exactly happens over the weekend at Athena Hacks? I know you also have in addition to the coding competition awesome speakers and companies come in i was reading through the schedule and saw you had a bubble tea session and a fireside chat with susan finley why don't you talk a little bit about all those different components and how they formed the athena hacks experience yeah the main component of hackathons is getting um the hackers into the groups of like four to five and so Primarily, they're working on these projects, so either building web apps, mobile apps, like anything, maybe game apps, something that they think is really interesting, and they work with new technologies. Um, so that's the primary thing that kind of runs throughout the entire um, duration. Other things that we have is we do have, like, workshops. So if it's someone's first hackathon, they don't know how to do, like, iOS development or, like, build any website, we do host workshops um, sponsored and hosted by these companies representative so they can kind of explain and teach um, the hackers we also have like talks like you mentioned like we had a great fireside chat with Susan Finley who uh, I think was the first female engineer at JPL um, which is the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory and so that was super awesome um, we have yeah this is like a ton of like speakers where we have these awesome people from tech and industry and then come and talk to these new girls who are just trying to get into industry and just starting off at school. Um, and then, yeah, we also have fun activities. So we do like cup stacking. We do morning yoga. I think our hottest session is definitely bubble tea. So we <laughs> around midnight, um, we just hand out a bunch of um, bubble teas to everyone. And so that's really exciting. That sounds amazing. <laughs> trying to make it a, a fun and like, I guess, learning experience for, for everyone. So I know you also 
opened the hackathon to everyone, not just university students. So why did you decide to open it so, for example, high schoolers could come? That's part of, I think, um, the beginner focus. Um, the high schoolers is something we're really trying to penetrate. This high school area is what we're trying to penetrate a lot in because um, they they don't have a lot of experience. And at that age, they're, they'll be like applying to colleges and selecting their majors. And we kind of want them to come and attend a workshop, learn something new, or just like have a peek into the, to the tech industry. You don't have to come and build a full-on project. We just encourage you to just come and learn. Um, and I think that helps uh, make that decision easier when you do come to college. So I know it can be a little intimidating going in and not having any CS experience and joining an engineering major. Uh, it might be a little intimidating, but this just shows like there's people who don't know anything before this hackathon and come and still build the project or still learn something new. And you can take that approach to like the rest of your college career. And then in terms of others, we also open it up to other colleges. That's just because we just want to encourage like um, everyone to come. We send out buses to a few schools as well so that um, we can provide transportation for them. Um, this year we're trying to like send a bus up to, I think, to Cal and Stanford. We just want everyone to be there. <laughs> How did you get, I feel like it should be, is it a straightforward process of getting buses to places? I don't know. I've never reserved a bus before. Is that pretty straightforward? <laughs> oh, that part is pretty straightforward. Um, but so like the thing is, um, getting the buses, you just you tell them, you're like, go here and get to USC. But the part that we wanted, we kind of had a hard time doing is finding a coordinator from those schools. Because obviously we can't be at UCI when they're picking up the, like the hackers from UCI. So we need like one of those hackers coming to be like in charge of making sure everyone got on the bus and then like letting us know when they'll be arriving and stuff like that. So um, that that coordination is key. And day of, that can be a little, um, little hard to manage. You just have to stay on your phone and like make sure that um, that communication is here. Obviously, winning the hackathon is a goal for the one of the, for the participants. How do you judge a project in a hackathon, and what were some of the winning ideas from last year? Since we have company sponsors, usually like part of the package deal is that um, they can also sponsor a prize. And so, oftentimes, a lot of with the companies is like if they're like, oh, like best use of like our API or like some type of technology that we want. Um, and so when we do the judging and like project expo, um, these like company sponsors will go around and like judge and like look at people's presentations and their um, demos. And so oftentimes like um, the, the prizes are specific to certain companies. We also have like overall like best, like top three, as well as um, like more specific things. Like we this year we're trying to do like best high schoolers um, project. And so there's kind of like a lot of niche prizes and like different categories. Some of the projects from last year that were at the top were, um, there was this one, um, I think it was a natural speech processing tool that uh, would, you would pass in a speech to and it would pick up the words or the, like the gender biases that you use. So sometimes it's known that women use a lot of like um, filler words. I forget what the actual like term in psychology is for them, but uh, we use a lot of like, oh, I believe when you can just say, it is this way. Instead of saying, I believe it is this way, it, it makes it seem stronger. So one team build a tool that would like pick up on those words and it would like um, tell you to revise it just to make like, just so that you're aware of like where the gender bias is coming in. Um, another one that was really cool um, was using the Microsoft uh, 
AI, Vision AI, using that API, they were able to pass in um, a live stream video and they would be able to, they wanted to detect when they stop a gun in the video. The the motivation was um, like the school shootings and all the gun violence that has occurred recently. And they wanted to pass in security video footage to that tool and have it like flag down when there was a possibility of a gun in the video. So that was pretty cool too. A lot of those projects are built from people who don't have much experience. So that was really awesome. Seeing projects that are doing things like that is really amazing. So do you, how long do you have to construct a project like that? Is it like, do you stay up the entire day or do you take breaks in between? How does that work? Um, they usually have so that we, we enter our hacking space around like noon. From noon, they have until I think noon the next day. And um, But during that time, like that during that whole hacking time, there's like workshops and food and uh, talking to sponsors. There's all that stuff happening. So it depends on how much the team like participates in those stuff and how much they sleep at night. And you also brought in mentors to Athena Hacks to match with some of the hackers. Why was that so important to bring in and what was the impact that you saw by making those connections? I think that when it comes to like building projects, oftentimes you run into like we talked about like the mobile bug and other things. And so having mentors as a support system is really great. So you're not just like racking your head over like this mindless bug that you're not really sure about. Um, Because obviously we want everyone to have like mostly complete projects um, and things that they're happy about and like it would be very discouraging to kind of start a project and get stuck on like an installation bug um, as like your first thing. Um, and also we strive to have both male and female mentors to help us out just because we feel like represents like the tech industry where we want not just like females supporting females, but like everyone supporting females. I love that. So I think it's amazing what you both are doing and bringing together women who have a passion for coding. How do you think Athena Hacks has impacted USC and the tech community there in general? USC is um, actually pretty great about having women empowerment. I think our computer science department has about 30 to 40% women. I'm not sure exact the exact number. So we're doing great. Um, and I think the that Athena um, has only just gotten the message more out there. I know that it really has brought together uh, a lot of our friends come and come as mentors or they come and participate. And it really is a weekend where everyone could just like come have fun. Um, and in terms of like, when I, when we have these things at USC where future students or interest prospective students day, it's called, um, and people in who are in high school can come and talk. So I know that we, we go to those days and we talk about Athena hacks and how like this is possible. Like we can, you can come to this hackathon, you can organize it if you want. And I know that that's been an influence in a lot of people's decisions of like, oh, like knowing that the school provides a good community for women in tech. Um, so it's really those small things that we've helped bring to our campus. This upcoming Athena Hacks will be the third one, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So what have you learned in the past two Athena Hacks that has helped you make changes for the one coming up? So are you changing any of the formats from the past and if so why i think the first one is getting venue booked as soon as possible um luckily like marcelo was able to get the um the new space booked really quickly even before last semester ended and so that's really helped like all of our planning since a lot of times 
um, like finances and other things like can't be set or like defined once we don't like unless we have like a date and a venue. And so since we had that like really early on, it's been really great for planning. Uh, we, we aren't really changing too much of the structure. Um, in general, we're still having the same workshops, uh, opening ceremonies, same same type of fun activities. Um, yeah, but the, the venue change was really just because we wanted to grow. We're aiming, I know in the past we've had around 300 hackers and we're aiming to do 400 plus this year. So we're just trying to expand. Oh, that's amazing. So you guys are both seniors, so you'll be leaving USC soon. What do you see as the future for Athena Hacks? So after you guys graduate, I know it's still going to be around, but where do you see the future of it going? Ideally, getting bigger and bigger. But obviously, like there's extent to how big we can grow if we want to make sure that we're still focused on beginners. Just because, as we said before, like if we have like 600 people coming, like that's just going to be kind of intimidating as well. Um, so, I mean, I'd still love, I'd love to see it grow and get bigger, but also like maintain its like original purpose. And yeah, I think that like in terms of like organizing team, we keep pretty good documentation um, within the years. So ideally, like when we leave, even though we have most of the knowledge, like the new members and like members who haven't graduated will still be able to like continue on our passion. Awesome. So one of the points I wanted to start this podcast is so students who are at universities that might not have a hackathon, let alone an all-female hackathon, can get inspiration, get ideas and tips. What advice would you have for students at other universities that are thinking about creating their own hackathons or organizations that have an emphasis on women in tech? Yeah, I think like the biggest advice is to um, focus on like the mission you're trying to propose, whether it's a hackathon or you're trying to build a, just have a really large-scale event, just focus on your mission. And then, like, start planning early. Like, you're gonna, you're, you might think, oh, I only need like two months to plan for this, but you'll probably need a year. Um, so just start planning early and get, make sure your organizing team is um, right off the bat in a great, in a good structure. I think committees have worked for us, but there's probably various ways. I think there's a lot of um, structure, like committee structures online you can look at, but. Um, other than that, I think reaching out to people is like key, like reach out, always keep your contacts open, whether it's within your school, whether it's in your, the recruiters that come and recruit at your school uh, from like the big companies, whether it's like a person you met in New York over the summer, whether it's like just keep all of your contacts open and always reach out. People are always willing to help. So you can't do it alone. What are in your future plans? I'm curious. I know you have both done an awesome job at Athena Hacks, and I'm sure you both are killing it at USC. What's in the future for both of you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm currently in like recruiting season, so I am not really sure, but I'm definitely going to join uh, a company and become a software engineer for the first few years and hopefully still play a big role and bring a lot of this stuff I learned from Athena Hacks to whatever company I joined. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm not sure where exactly, but I'll probably end up at Google in the Bay Area, but that's what it's looking like. Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much same, same, same. Um, I'm also, like, want to be a software engineer for a few, like, maybe two, three years and then kind of see where that brings me. Um, I'm also choosing between a few companies in the Bay Area, and I guess, like, the, the big topic is always, like, big, big company versus, like, mid-sized company or smaller company, and so, like, 
I guess I'm just still trying to figure that out. Um, thank you both for your time. I loved learning more about Athena Hacks and the inspiration behind it. You've been listening to College Movers and Shakers with me, Jonathan Yi. My guests this week were Marcella Solku and Catherine Chung. You'll find links to Athena Hacks in the description of this podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe so you can keep up with future episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>